This is the last message in this series called Building a Community Center. And next week we start a series called Building a Family Life Center because I'm just not that creative. And, uh, but the, uh, it's kind of along the same lines, just to kind of give you a heads up, is that we, we started by talking about, we, it's not about a building. It's about a process of God building something and making his church the center of the community. And for good reason, because he has given us his light. We are the light of the world. And as the body of Christ, he wants us to be at the center of the community because he wants to draw people to himself. If we be lifted, if he is lifted up, then he will draw people to himself. And so he has given up his, his word. He's, he's given us uh, his spirit. And so he wants to draw people here. He wants us to be at the center of the community. So we've been talking about how, how the word of God tells us we could be that. And today we, we close out by talking about being a biblically based community, a biblically based community, because really there are groups, organizations, gatherings of people who are at the center of a community, who are kind of a hub of a community and, and, and everything revolves. We, we create civic organizations and things like that because they do good things and, and people join them because they do good things. And, and I'm not, this isn't saying they're bad at all, but it's in, we are not just supposed to be a civic organization. If we're going to be true to be what we talked about last week, being an eternal community, then there has to be something different about us. There has to be something unique about us. And we have to be true to our founder, to the one who brought us together. And he ground, began the church in the word. He began the church in the word. And so today we're going to look through, look at a passage of scripture we've looked at before uh, because it's the foundation of the early church where it all started and so forth. Before we do, begin, let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for how great and amazing you are. And Lord, just pray this morning that you will show us how to be the people that you called us to be. Lord, according to your teaching, not according to the things we come up with, not according to our own ideas, but Lord, according to your idea and be true to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the Lego movie. I don't know if I'm, how many of you have ever seen the Lego movie, but there's a song in the Lego movie called Everything is Awesome. And uh, if we were up doing junior church, they would love this. But uh, we, uh, in this song, Everything is Awesome, it basically goes, everything is awesome. And just over and over again. And I remember that because my children would sing it. They'd play it. And my children are grown at the time when the movie came out, but they still play it. And, and, but it is a, it's a catchy little song, and, and they do it over and over and over again. But there's a little catch to this song that we don't pay attention to. In the movie, they're all singing and everything is awesome. But the reality is everything is not awesome. And the character is realizing that everybody's just simply doing the same thing as they've been programmed to do. And if they sing this enough and say this enough, everybody believes that life is great. And, and if you don't think your life is great, then you're a nonconformist. And so you're kind of uh, ostracized for, for being that way. And it made me think, this is a lot of times what church is like. In church, sometimes we, we try to train people... To say, you should, if you say it's awesome enough, then eventually it will, you, you might start to believe it. You know, and, and, and we, 
because we've all been trained like that, if, we've been, if you grew up in church, you know what I'm talking about. Because as a child, you're told, you sit there, you're going to enjoy it, you're going to like this. You know, we're having a good time. And you see it, it's modeled in front of you. Your parents, who you know are not happy, are happy while they're at church, right? I mean, everybody, everything is awesome while we're all together talking. But you were with them before we got there. And you were with them when you got home. And it didn't seem so awesome in the car on the way to church that morning. It didn't seem like everything's great. But yet... While we were talking to everybody, everybody was great. How are you guys doing? Things are amazing. How things are work? Work is awesome. You know, and all these, we're saying these things, but we know it's not true. And so you're trained from a young age that when we're around people, and we're talking to people and sharing with people, that uh, it's supposed to be, we're supposed to pretend it's awesome. And, and that kind of leaves a hole. And that's, I think that's why we're losing numbers. I think that's why people are leaving the church because kids are growing up taught that it's a sham. It really isn't awesome. It really isn't great. It really isn't amazing. And the sad part about that is, is it is awesome. It is amazing. It is great. And I think one of the reasons why it's so important to be biblically based is when we Go back and see how God designed us to be. And when we operate as God designed us to be, we discover how good God really is. Look in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, that's, that's the beginning right there. 2,000 years ago, when we started, people gathered together and were devoted to studying, learning what the apostles taught. Our New Testament is the apostles' teaching. Everything in the New Testament has an apostolic connection to it, meaning it's tied to the teaching of the apostles. That's how it made it in here. And so the same things they were teaching 2,000 years ago are the same things we are supposed to be teaching. That's why when we do Sunday school classes and so forth, why it's so important, so important, that all studies are tied to God's word. Because it is it's not just about the fact that this is a, you know, I think sometimes in, the, in Islam, the Quran is a holy book. It is, it is itself a deity of sorts. Well, that's not true for this. And I think we, when we get into it has to be this version and it has to be in red letters or it has to be this or that. And we begin to deify the book itself. What happens is it sits on a coffee table and you can't put stuff on top of it. And, and it becomes something we reverence, and, and, but we don't read it because it's just holy. You know, it's just it's there. It sits there. And we, we worship it, but we don't touch it. We don't read it. It's meant to be read. It's the message that's inside of it. It's the it's the teaching of these apostles that's been preserved, that's been passed on. It gives us the understanding. A lot of times we spend some time in the Old Testament. We have to know that we have to know the New Testament in order to understand the Old Testament. Because it is, it, everything has to be through the lens of Jesus. Everything for us has to be through the lens of Christ and, and why, he, why he gives us this word, why he said to do these things. The apostles taught that to the early church, and that's, they got together and studied these teachings. And we're, that's what we're supposed to be doing. So if you're in a Sunday school class or a Bible study or whatever, and you're not studying the teachings of Christ and the apostles, then it's not really effective. It's not really what we were supposed to be. You're off task. You're off task. So it always needs to be 
teachers hear that in, in every study you get into. It's, not a, it's okay to talk about other things. It's okay to study other things. But you can't do it in place of this. This has to be first and foremost what we are doing. Because if we're going to be, if we're going to have the awesomeness of the early church, we have to also be devoted to the apostles' teaching. And not only that, to the fellowship. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship. That, remember I, I've said before, circles are better than rows. This is when people get together and interact with each other. And what are you doing? It's like we've, we've learned what the apostles taught. Now it's by spending time with each other, by getting to know one another. We know how to apply these things. Hey, this is, what, this is what Peter teaches about this. This is what the Apostle John teaches about this. This is what Matthew teaches about this. And when we study these things, we need to get with other people and say, how does that work in your life? How do you do that? How do you do that when you raise your children? How do you do that when you have this kind of situation at work? And Paul says, he says, you know, we rebuke and exhort and admonish. And these are things submit to each other. This is, this is us interacting with each other. And that's what they did. They got together. They had fellowship. They had the breaking of the bread, uh, which could either mean eating, just eating together. And later we'll talk about eating together. But, but it could mean having communion together, celebrating the Lord's Supper, remembering the sacrifice of Christ, remembering his body given for us, his blood shed for us, and to the prayers. And they got together and they prayed. They prayed. These are just, this Luke has just given us a summation of this is how the early church functioned. It, and it's supposed to be how the church always functions. It's how it was instituted and, and given. And, and it's supposed to be something we carry on. So when we talk about getting back to basics, we need to be a first century church in a 21st century world. I mean, that's who we are supposed to be. It says, then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now, this is where the King James, New King James, and even mine, the Christian Standard, Christian Holman Christian Standard Bible, or Christian Standard Bible, I can't remember what it's called now, but the uh, um, fails us a little bit. I mean, understand what I mean, but when we talk about fear, awe is a good word, and awesome is, I think, overused, and I think begins to become, we kind of lose its meaning. But when we say something that is awesome or that we are awestruck, it is supposed to be something that almost is terrifyingly awesome. And what I mean by that is when you hear it, you go, it, it should make your heart beat faster. It should make you break into a sweat. You should think, that's, that's not even believable. And... And they were getting together and feeling this way. But think about it. We were, we were with some uh, missionaries on one of our trips overseas. And they were telling stories that had come from the front. And we were sitting in this group and they were talking about how uh, word had come from a reliable source, some other missionary friends who had friends in China who were missionaries there. And there were two Girl, two girls who were missionaries in China, and they were going through persecution, and they were on the run. In China, they, the Christians in China, part of being in the church in China is you have to practice survival in prison. Can you imagine if that was one of the things we did here? Is like we're going to have a course next week on how to survive in prison? Because it's not a question of uh, if you're going to go to prison. It's a question of when, if you are outspoken in your faith. And so they train how to survive in prison. Well, these girls were avoiding prison, so they uh, took off and, and they were out running. 
And they were out exposed out in the cold weather, super cold weather. And one of the girls died. She didn't make it. The other missionary carried her, dragged her body to, where they, to the next town where they could find a group of believers. And when they got there, it had been a while, I think days. And um, they got there and they prayed over the girl. And she came back to life. Now, we're sitting in this discussion, hearing this. And, and right now, as I say that to you, this is our immediate reaction. No way. <laughs> That's just some. There's got to be a catch there. That just doesn't happen, right? People just don't come back for that. You may go, whoa, that's amazing. That's unbelievable, but obviously God can do anything. You know, maybe you're thinking, is that something you pulled off the internet? Is that something you just, whatever? No, it's, it was a story. We didn't Google it. This is a story being passed verbally from somebody who saw it, was there, saw it happen, and then shared it with somebody, and it got through the missionary chain to where we were. On the front. But here's what you need to remember. That's what happened in the early church. When it says fear came over everyone, they were sitting in a group talking, and somebody said, Did you hear what Peter did? There was this guy who was crippled, and Peter went up to him, and the guy was healed. Peter healed a man just like Jesus healed a man. The power of Jesus was in Peter and Peter spoke to him and he said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And he, and the guy walks, people are coming back from the dead. People, miracle blind people are seeing all the same things that Jesus did are now being done by the apostles and people are, Freaking out over it. I mean, they are all struck by it. Can you believe that this is happening? Because when God's people get together and talk about what God is doing, we realize he is awesome. We realize what a great God we have. It builds our faith. We are supposed to, in our, in our Sunday school classes, we are supposed to be, if you say, well, I, don't, I haven't heard any stories like that, or at least I can't verify it. Now, I'm not talking about just sharing stuff you read on the Internet, okay? Don't, don't do that. 99% of the stuff you're seeing on the Internet is probably not true. I'm talking about things that you can verify, that you hear from people who you trust when passed along. And if you don't have anything, guess what? There are stories right in here. Right in his word, he tells us, Awesome and amazing. They recorded these things. They didn't, ha- they didn't just happen. They shared them with one another and they wrote them down. And sometimes we look at these stories and have a disconnect between things that happen here. Like, the, oh yeah, it happens here, but it doesn't happen here. It's the same God doing the same thing. I've been blessed. I, this Again, Understand, these things aren't things that happen every week. When we ask people for praise reports, it's funny <laughs> when we ask for praise reports. And I don't ask for praise reports very often anymore because this is what I get. I just praise the Lord I got up this morning. Can you imagine reading the Bible, having a Sunday school class? Let's turn to uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 12, where it says, And they all got up that morning, and they were healthy. Praise the Lord. And they were in fear. And awe of how great God was 
because they all woke up that morning. That's, there is no verse like that because every, 7 billion people did that. I mean, it was like we all do that. And so when you invite people over and say, let me tell you about some of the awesome things my God is doing. Yes, brushed my teeth. Praise God I have teeth. You know, woo! You know, those are things people don't shout over. And it's like we're reaching to try to find something good about God. And when we're trying to fabricate things that make God good, the world sees that and it all seems fake. Well, of course that's not real. Of course that's not awesome. It's like when we say we're all good, but we're really not all good. People want something genuine, something real. And here's, but here's the thing. Here's the sad part. He is real. He is awesome. I mean, if you can't think of anything else awesome, this is a praise report every single time. Every single time. Not that I got up that morning, but that Jesus is alive today. Every single day, that's a praise report. Because he was killed 2,000 years ago. And he's still alive today. You see how awesome? That's, that's awesome. I mean, pick anybody else you want to think of. Pick somebody who died 150 years ago. If they came back to life and were alive today, we'd be celebrating that. Right? If we knew somebody who died last week and they came back to life and they were sitting in the crowd today, we'd talk about it. (laughs) There'd be camera crews. It'd be in papers. Because that's awesome. That doesn't happen. We serve a resurrected Lord. That's always a reason to praise. So here's, we need to get back to discovering how awesome God is. How awesome God is. We also need to have unity in the community. Unity in the community. We, um, when Jesus prayed for his disciples in John chapter 17. He then expanded that prayer to encompass all of us. And this is the thing he prayed for. He said, Father, I pray that they will be one just as we are one. This is what Jesus, the risen Lord, God asked for. He could have prayed anything. He could have prayed for us all to be successful. He could have prayed for us to have high attendance Sundays every Sunday. He could have prayed for uh, all these, all, all our lives to be healthy and all of us to be debt-free and no sickness. But what he prayed for is that we would all be together. And he even said that by us being together, the world would know that he is real. The world would know that he is real as a result of our unity in him. So look at the early church. Look at how they were unified. In verse 44, it says, Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. That's a scary thought, isn't it? That they... They shared all their stuff. Now, I loved this passage when I first got started working. 
because I didn't own any tools. And so I didn't have a drill or any set of screwdrivers or any power tools of any sort. So when I first started pastoring, I'd need one of those. I'd say, hey, any of you who own a drill, if we're going to be the church, we need to share. And so, uh, so I love to go into people and saying, you know, in the name of Jesus, let me borrow your drill. Uh, but, you know, when that wasn't as good for me, when we started to accumulate things and I had a really nice drill and then some punk kid comes and asks for my drill, you know, and it's like, you know, and you know what you're tempted to do? You're tempted to have the lesser drill, you know, the cheap drill that you have on hand to loan to people. And then your good drill that I don't loan out to people, you know, and I'll tell you what happens to us when we get in that mindset, because it's indicative of something. It gets, we get in this mindset of that we really aren't exemplifying Christ. We're getting in the mindset that I don't want to share. I don't want to share because my things are important to me and precious to me. The whole point is, the whole point is when we've been changed by Jesus, when we are awestruck by who he is, these lives don't matter to us anymore. When we really believe that he said he who holds on to his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it everlasting, we really embraced that, and these and this early church, they were reading about how awesome he was, and they were discovering how awesome God was, and so they didn't care about their stuff anymore. So if you need something, just take mine. Take mine, use it. I, I'm I've got I've got a mansion in glory. I've got an eternal home. I have everything I'll ever want forever. So if you need this, take it. Whatever. God takes care of me. He's an awesome God. I, uh, I knew a guy who was a missionary in eastern Kentucky, and his motto was, uh, if I have it, I'll give it to you. And if I don't have it, and God blesses me with it, then I'll share it with you. And uh, what an crazy thing. And he put that to the test because he went out there. He, was, he quit his church and wanted to be a missionary out in eastern Kentucky. And he met a guy and, and said, um, a guy said, hey, do you have $60? He's like, no. And, um, but if God blesses me, I'll bless you. And so he was going and saw some hedges that needed to be trimmed. And so he thought, I need to trim these hedges. And so he went and bought some hedge trimmers for 40 bucks and went out and, uh, and started trimming these hedges. And uh, actually, let me reverse that. He had already bought the hedge trimmers for 40 bucks. He's trimming the hedges when the guy stops and asks if he has any money because he doesn't have any money. And so, and so he's trimming the hedges. So that guy's gone. Another person comes up to him at the end of the day and says, you know, I have wanted to see those tri- hedges trimmed for years. So glad you came along and did that. And so I just want to bless you. And the person gave him $100. And he took that and he thought, and immediately he's thinking, 100 bucks. But he thought, I told that guy, give him $60. So he took the money, gave the guy $60, and he was walking away from the guy. He said, the Lord said to me, not only did I give you the $60 to bless the guy with, I paid for the hedge trimmers too. Uh, and he just wanted to say, I take care of everything. You see, that story, then think about that for a second. Think about that. That man's faith is stronger. The guy who needed the $60, his faith is stronger. His belief in the community of the church is stronger. We become real in our community when we love to share. And so what do we do? We share Jesus by sharing. 
We share Jesus by sharing. Now, I say this, and I mean this. God loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't want you. This is something you can fake. Don't, if you give begrudgingly and you hate the fact that you gave, you're not ready. That's okay. You're not ready to give. Don't give it if you don't want to give it. If you're thinking you're going to get something back, if you think there's going to be some reward, if you think you're going to somehow, your life is going to be better, improved, result of giving, that's the only reason you're doing it, then don't do it. But if you just know God is awesome and you've been blessed and you want to bless other people because you've been blessed, that's what they were doing in the early church. They weren't going, well, we have to share. This isn't like talking to four-year-olds, you know, and your parents saying, you know, you've got to share with your brother. And you're like, you know, okay, you know. The cookie thing, we do the cookie. You know, one of you breaks it in half and the other one gets to choose which half. But, you know, those are because, what reason we have that rule is because our kids don't like to share. They hate that rule. They hate that, you know, because, and I'll tell you what, they get measuring tape out, measure the cookie, you know, levels and things or whatever, and, and just dividing it in the middle so it's perfectly divided, so forth. That's not really a win, though. A win is when they break it in half and give their brother the bigger piece. God wants you to have the bigger piece. Now, that's when you're blessed as a parent. And people, when we are like that, our Father in heaven is blessed. So, you have unity in the community. We share Jesus by sharing. Uh, there's a restaurant called Meet and Eat. It's just a, it's a simple title, isn't it? And the reason why there are Meet and Eat is the name of a restaurant is because the world already understands this concept. The world Pagan people, people that don't know Jesus, lost people, people from every background, people like to get together and eat. So when we tell our life groups that we want you to meet, eat, and pray, and by the way, if you're in my life group, tonight is our night to meet, eat, and pray, and we're doing it at my house. So, Kim, note to self, um, we're all going to be hungry later this evening. Um, but we, um, we meet, eat, and pray, and the reason why we say this, to get together, meet, and pray, meet, eat, and pray, is the prayer part is what sets us apart. But here's the real reason we say meet, eat, and pray. Because what makes our meeting and eating unique is that we invite God to be in our midst. That's why we pray. That's really what the prayer is, is saying, hey, we're all eating and meeting and talking and sharing, and we want to invite God to be here. We want to be, spend some time in his presence because we believe it's possible through his Holy Spirit. So we're going to do that. Look in verse 46. He says, it says, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together. Now, we, do, we ask once a month, <laughs> once a month. They did it every day. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food. With a joyful and humble attitude. You think about the fact that Luke felt compelled to share that bit of information. It meant that it was unique. Was it just didn't get together and enjoy it? People got together, went house to house every day and enjoyed eating with each other. With a humble attitude of, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm not trying to put on airs. We're not trying to make a big deal about this. We're just enjoying each other's company, enjoying discovering how awesome God is. We're just, we're enjoying sharing, sharing our food with each other and sharing our stuff with each other because it doesn't matter anymore. We just love doing it. We're just enjoying being with you and talking. God has brought joy to our lives. We were lost, but now we're found. We were dead and now we're alive. We enjoy 
being and talking with other people who also know this Christ. And then that first part says, praising God and having favor with all the people. You know, we say, we use this expression, love God, love people. Love God, love people. Let's just translate that, bless God, bless people. Because when we talk about love God, love people, sometimes we just get this idea of, I have warm fuzzies for you. I have warm fuzzies for God. I just love God. And I, then I translate that to you. I have warm fuzzies for you. I just feel really good about you. But really, that doesn't really communicate who Jesus is, what he did, what he's done for us, what we do for others. Really, when you praise him, you pray, we're praising God's actions toward us. God, you saved me. You've taken care of me. You've provided for me. So because we're praising him and celebrating who he is in that, we need to do that for other people. We need to provide for other people. We need to reach out and rescue other people. And see people who are just in need of a friend, in need of someone to care for them, bless people. And just think of it like this. Are we a blessing to the people in our lives? We should be a blessing to our spouse. Our spouse, when you say, what about your husband? He's tolerable, you know. That shouldn't be what they say. I can live with them. I'm, I've, or I've learned to live with them. I'm starting to manage it through therapy. I'm making it. No, you, you want them to say, my husband's a blessing. My husband's a blessing. Don't ask my wife that after the service. Please give me, give me some time. I just preached it today. Give me a few weeks. But we want to say they're a blessing. When our children say my parents are a blessing, we want our... You know, if your children are saying my parents are a blessing, then Jesus is real in your house. You really, I mean, and, and we, want, we want our parents to say about us, we are a blessing. I want my mom to believe I'm a blessing to her life, not a hindrance to her, not a hurt to her, not, not, not just that I, she doesn't, I make no difference in her life. I want to be a blessing to my mother. I want people to see our family and believe we bless one another. And then that spreads into our church. I want our church family to be a blessing to each other. We need to be blessed by each other. And the way we are blessed by each other is we bless one another. We find ways to be a blessing. And I'll tell you what, if, if you're talking about how amazing God is, and you're sharing with one another, you will be a blessing. People will like being around you. They will want to get together with you. They will cancel other things to spend time with you because you're a blessing. And look at that last verse, last part of that verse. It says, and every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. When we talk about how awesome God is, when we get together and bless and share with one another and bless one another, people will want to become part of that and want to know the Christ who has changed our lives. And here's why it happened every day. Because they did it every day. Every day, the people of God were getting together and eating together and talking about how amazing God is and talking about how I, that I've been blessed, I want to bless you and sharing and blessing. And they were doing this every single day. And so every single day, people were being saved. If we do it once a month, I'll, I, I'm convinced God will add to our numbers once a month. If we do it every week, I'm convinced that God will add to our numbers once a week. And if we did it every day, God would add to our numbers every day. Because think about it. 
I'm not talking about that in your small group or in your Sunday school class that people will join your class every single week. I'm not talking about that they will join, you know, whatever, whatever small group you're in every single week. I'm saying if all of us are meeting together, getting in circles and having fellowship and talking about awesome Jesus is and sharing with one another, sharing our lives with another, loving one another in Jesus' name, being a blessing to each other, I'm saying some, that some group is going to have somebody added somewhere. Because God's going to not keep that hidden. He will raise that up. And you'll have a friend. Because this is what will happen. You'll have a friend. And they'll say, what is, what is going on in your life? Why are you so joyful? Why is it, why is it so real? You see, because when you get together and you're saying, everything's awesome here. And we're all doing it here well, that's what we do at church, right? But when you go to work and say everything is awesome, and at home you're talking about how awesome it is, and your kids on the way to church said, let me tell you what, our ride to church this morning was awesome. When we got home from church that afternoon, we had an awesome afternoon. When people see that, they go, really? I want to be in your family. Did you ever... You may, either you were this family or you knew this family that everybody wanted to be in that family. You know, the thing every mom wants to hear is when their kid comes home and goes, I wish so-and-so's mom was my mom. That's what every mom wants to hear, right? I knew better than to say that to my mom, but I thought it a couple of times. I, I was I'm just, just a little moment. I know we're I'll just take a second. I'm married. <laughs> I'm married to that mom. Man, what a blessing. And you have other kids say to you, man, I wish she was my mom. I wish we could be in your home. She was the Kool-Aid mom. And when you're in a church like that, people want to be in it. People want to be a part of it. And friends, if you're here today, you say, I want to be a part of that. You can be. Let me tell you, there are people who love you here. There are people who share with you here. There are people who will give everything they got so your life will be better. They want to bless you. And you can be a part of that. And we just want to invite you and say, if you want to be a part of this community, you don't have to pay anything. You don't have to do anything special. Jesus will do everything necessary. Already has done everything necessary for you to be a part of who we are. All you have to do is say you want to be a part of it. He died on the cross so your sins could be forgiven. He rose from the dead so you could have eternal life, so you could be with us forever. And if you don't understand all the particulars of that, we can explain it to you. But it starts with this. It just starts with you just wanting to be a part of it and to have it. And it's free. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for how great and amazing and awesome you are. And Lord, I just pray this morning that if there is somebody here who wants to be a part of your community. Lord, this group of people you assembled 2,000 years ago, talking about the amazing things that you did, talking about the amazing things that you're doing through your people and sharing that, how it all can be possible, how we can live for you and for your glory and teaching one another to be faithful to you. Lord, we've been doing it for a long, long time. And Lord, you put this group of people here 
Lord, and thank you for the people here who are obedient to you and who love you and filled with your grace. And God, just pray for anyone who's here who, who just needs that kind of home, who needs that kind of family. And Lord, may I don't know what they've been told by other people, and maybe they've been damaged and they're afraid, but Father, I pray, Lord, that they'll just take a step of faith and believe and know that they're welcome, welcome here to be a part of your faith community. May we receive them with arms open wide. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.